Welcome to Eye on the Triangle with Sesha Hindi, a weekly glimpse into our community, bringing you news from the brickyard to your backyard. This week in news on Eye on the Triangle, a brief rundown of the latest news. Good evening. Today is Monday, September 7th. I'm Evan Garris. And I'm Jack Boyer. You're listening to today's news on Eye on the Triangle. According to a New York Times article, President Barack Obama has returned to the White House from his summer vacation on Martha's Vineyard and must come up with a credible health care plan to sell to Congress and quick. Advisors say this issue is one he must conquer to maintain his presidency's credibility because he has prioritized it as the top issue facing the nation at this time. The president spoke to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi Thursday and Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid Sunday, working on his address to the nation in hopes of reshaping the health care debate. Unfortunately for the president, this is not the only issue he will have to deal with in the coming weeks. He has yet to make decisions on deploying more troops to Afghanistan and continue arms control negotiations with Russia. But health care seems to be only one of the many worries Americans are facing today. Millions of Americans have been left out of the unemployment rate numbers because they have stopped looking for jobs, according to the New York Times. These same individuals seem to really want employment, but have given up as the recession continues. The Bureau of Labor has reported in the month of August the unemployment rate has increased to 9.7 percent. To be included in that rate, though, you have to have been looking for a job within the previous four-week period. Those who do not qualify are considered discouraged workers by the Bureau, of which there were 349,000 one month before the recession was officially announced in November 2007. Speaking of labor, according to the Associated Press, President Obama is now announcing Ron Bloom as his senior counselor for manufacturing policy at today's Labor Day picnic. According to the White House, Bloom will assist the president in revitalizing the manufacturing industry, which has been suffering due to the recession. On a more positive note, Cabarrus County will be receiving an economic boost starting September 17th, according to News 14 Carolina. That day marks the beginning of the ZMAX Dragway for the NHRA Carolina Nationals Drag Race in Concord, North Carolina. Last year, the race brought in more than $12 million to the county through race attendance, restaurant visitors, and hotel reservations. And the amount the Dragway race brought into the county last year is also equal to how much it takes to make sure every student in the Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools has enough school supplies, according to a story in News 14 Carolina. Classroom Central is one store that provides free school supplies to teachers at 132 schools, but is only open three days a week and is asking for the community's help to open an extra day as an increased number of teachers are visiting the store this year. As the number of schools increase, so does the amount of money required to supply them. Out of the expected required $17 million, the store expects only to be able to supply $4.8 million worth of supplies. Teachers many times are forced to spend their own money on supplies for their school kids. A Durham nonprofit, Clean Energy Durham, is also trying to help people save money, except through saving energy. The nonprofit helps people switch to more energy efficient lights, filters, and furnaces, among other measures. The nonprofit's education director, Tom Higgins, told WRAL that the nonprofit estimates that people can save at least 20% on average with new energy efficient measures. Three of the most important crops produced in the United States will suffer if temperatures continue rising due to global warming, according to North Carolina State University agricultural and resource economist Dr. Michael Roberts and assistant professor of economics at Columbia University Dr. Wolfram Slecker. The output of these crops could potentially decrease by 30 to 46 percent over the next century if temperatures follow a trend of slow increase or 63 to 82 percent under a trend of rapid increase, according to a North Carolina State University News Services press release. According to the study, any change in global temperature will affect developing countries the hardest. Finally, in North Carolina news, according to WRAL, Andrew Brunelli, 43, has been reported missing for two days in the Grand Canyon National Park in Arizona. He was reported missing to the Coconino County Sheriff's Office Friday evening, and officers alerted the Park Service Rangers on Saturday. Brunelli is described as a white male, 5 foot 10, and weighs 200 pounds. He has short to medium length hair and gray-blue eyes. Dispatchers said an aerial and ground search will continue Monday. On this day in 2008, the U.S. government takes control of two of the largest mortgage financing companies in the U.S., Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Also on this day 30 years ago in 1979, the Entertainment and Sports Programming Network, or as we know it, ESPN, makes its debut. 
And here's the forecast from the NCSU Broadcast Meteorology Program. For the remainder of tonight, expect showery spells on and off throughout the evening under mostly cloudy skies. Places that do see the showers could expect some heavier rain, but most of us will stay dry. A low temperature of 67 degrees is what you can expect. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy during the early morning hours, but turning into a partly cloudy day. Clouds decreasing with an isolated sprinkle still possible during the afternoon. A high temperature of 82. And for Wednesday and Thursday, it's mostly the same story. Partly cloudy skies and afternoon thunderstorm is possible with temperatures right around 81 degrees. And that was your newscast on Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM. I'm Seja Hindi. Next up, we have our VIP segment where Adam Compton and I interview two of the top student leaders at the university, student body president Jim Sereznik and student senate president Kelly Rogers. Both Sereznik and Rogers talked about their plans for the year and what it was like to take over during a time of unrest at the university. And in Hear This, local music director Adam Kincaid will let you in on some information about two local shows, including the Bike MS Benefit Show at Cat's Cradle September 9th. In our Student of the Week segment, Eye on the Triangle's Jacob Downey got to know this week's Student of the Week, Russell Gentry, one of the players in the Thompson Theater Amadeus production September 18th. Wrapping up this week's episode with soundbites, Mae Chung and Caitlin Cawley talk to students about what they think about the national health care debate. Don't forget to tune in to Eye on the Triangle every Monday night from 7 to 8 and check out our blog on WKNC.org for more information on each of the segments and a podcast of each of the segments after every show. You can also email comments, questions, and suggestions to publicaffairs at WKNC.org. And now on to this week's VIP. We all remember the line from the movie Animal House in which Dean Wormer of Faber College says, Every spring, the toilets explode. There's a similar phenomenon at NC State, but it's not exploding toilets. It's the omnipresent campaign signs and student government candidates making their annual plea for positions that grant power in the form of parking passes, meal cards, and FaceTime with administrators. Last year, a relatively new face appeared on the scene by the name of Jim Sereznik. Despite being a transfer student and having little traditional on-campus political experience, Sereznik campaigned and won the position of student body president. Kelly Rogers is Sereznik's polar opposite. She has been climbing the student government food chain since day one, positioning herself for the role of student senate president, which she claimed in an unopposed race. But the path each of these student leaders took to the top was all but forgotten within months as they found themselves amidst the biggest administrative controversy in recent memory. This summer, the provost... The Board of Trustees Chairman and the Chancellor had all resigned over a controversial hiring and pay raise of the state's former First Lady, Mary Easley. These are the events that shape student leaders. Sereznik's and Rogers' terms will very likely be defined by this situation and how they responded. With all eyes on them, we figured it would be a good time to talk to them in the Eye on the Triangle's VIP section about what it was like to be a student leader at that time and what they have planned for the year ahead. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle's VIP. I'm here with student body president Jim Sereznik, a relatively newcomer to NC State. After graduating from high school, Sereznik attended the University of Georgia with the intention of graduating with a journalism degree. However, after spending some time in Georgia, Sereznik realized that UGA was not going to be in his future. So he transferred to UNC Charlotte the second semester his sophomore year, pulled up his grades, and saved money and then transferred to NC State. And now he is the 2009 to 2010 student body president. Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you decided to run for student body president? Well, I ran for student body president because I felt like we needed to really continue the great work of Jay Dawkins. Um, He did a great job, and he's a good friend of mine. And he really talked to me about it sparked my interest in the position and watching him throughout last year and seeing what he was able to do and the the positive impact he was able to have on this campus it was something that I felt like I wanted to do as well and so you know I I thought about it for a long time and uh, I decided to do it went all out and I was fortunate enough to win and um, it was a really a great experience and I can't be happier I I really love the position it's been it's been a great experience so far. Jim what would you say are some of the lessons that the university can take from what happened this summer? Well, we need to have more transparency. Um, We need to be sure that we look at where money's going, who's getting paid, and what they're getting paid, and make sure that's fair. I mean, every every cent counts at this time. I mean, the state legislature just passed a budget, and 
the university fared pretty well. I mean, at times we were really scared. We were looking at some serious cuts, but and we still are sustaining serious cuts. But no matter what the cuts are, they're cuts, and we need to look at where every single dollar is going. So that's that's an important lesson I think we need to learn. We need to be very transparent. We need to be very open, and that's that's sort of the attitude we've taken with the tally campaign is we're going to be very open with the process, make sure the students have all the information that is out there so that they can make their own decision. But um, we, we need to look at that. We need to look at, work towards transparency and also look at um, – you know, administrative cuts. I mean, one of the things that, that I had mentioned at the the budget forum that we had was that you know our our bud, our administrative cuts were significant, but they were less significant than I think a vital uh, division division of undergraduate academic programs. They were not as drastic as those were. And so, basically, the question that I asked was, do we value administrative support more than academic support? So we just need to look at that and look where we can cut, where dollars are going. I think that's an important lesson. If you had three priorities that you could focus on for the year, what would they be? Well, number one right now is the Chancellor Search Committee. Priority number two would really be the, the effort with the tally campaign. Um, as I said last week, we, we spent a lot of time talking about it and trying to put together a proposal that will work, um, that makes sense in this sort of economic climate. And uh, that's, a, that's a significant priority for me right now. And uh, I guess third would be trying to follow through on my platform promises. So student discount network, um, tapping into student brain power, getting some, some great projects and, and really uh, putting students on display. Uh, and also, you know, the, the famous spring break um, proposal, you know, uh, looking at our academic calendar and making sure we have some influence there. So those would probably be the top three. Can you talk a little bit about your spring break proposal? Well, what we're going to do is, you know, I got a lot of flack for this during the campaign, and it was certainly an interesting uh, point of discussion throughout. Um, and certainly now with, with, with what has happened over the past months, it's sort of been placed on, not, not on the back burner, I'd say, but it's certainly lost its, its sort of weight or significance. But what we're going to do is we are going to make sure we have a strong voice on the registration record and calendar Registration Records and Calendar Committee. We're going to present a proposal for the academic calendar uh, for the next year and for the next three years. And that's how that process works is they usually decide a calendar for, for three or four years, but they review that calendar every year. And so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take a look at that and make some suggestions and at least open it up for discussion, you know, have a voice on that committee. Um, and that's, that's pretty much how that's going to work out. And I hope that that continues to be something that student government's involved in and something that students have a voice in for, for years to come. So your plan was basically to delay spring break, right? Well, it's to look at, it's kind of get the voice of, uh, to kind of get out there, see what students want, kind of understand when students want to have spring break and other breaks too. I mean, you know, fall break, um, you know, different holidays that we get off, um, those, those sorts of things I think we should have a say in. You know, they're, they're breaks for us. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I mean, we're the ones busting our butts in the classroom. We're the ones taking the tests and the exams. So I think we should at least have a say in when those breaks are. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and open it up, maybe maybe have some public – we're going to have a series of, of public forums about the tally campaign, about things like this, just about different issues in general, and try and – you know, I really want to be as connected to students as possible and really keep my finger on the pulse of the student body and see how students feel and, and be able to voice that to the administration and try and make those changes happen. So with the spring break proposal – with the tally proposal, with anything that we do, you know, that's, that's sort of the attitude I want to take to it. It seems like one of your big goals this year is to have open forums and talk to students about every issue you're dealing with. How are you going to balance between taking in what students want and making a decision? Right. Well, it's certainly tough. Um, I, I certainly have a clear vision um, for what I want student government to be and for how I, how I feel we should um, be represented uh, you know, among the administration and among other folks and in the community. Um, but my vision and, and my, my opinions only matter a, to a very minimal extent. I mean, my job is to be the representative of the students. So, for instance, with the tally campaign, you know, I think the tally campaign is a great idea. I think we need it. I think it's ser something that we seriously need to get started on right away. However, I can't, I'm not going to go out there and say, you know, you should vote for this or you, you need to, to vote for this extra fee that's going to be, you know, for the, for the Tally Student Center. You know, I'm going to bring that information to students. I'm going to bring that proposal to students and I'm going to say, let me know what you think. And, and if, if the overwhelming majority of students don't support it, then I can't support it. But if they do, then I will to the best of my ability. So um, that's, 
it's it's difficult because there are certain things that I want to see happen too, and you know there's certain ways that I feel. But my number one job is to understand how students feel and bring that voice to, you know, the the appropriate parties. Is student government taking a stance on the budget cuts, or is there something in particular that you guys are advocating for? What exactly are you doing? Well, we I actually have some good news to report uh, from the provost. Um, I met with the provost last week, and he let me know that. In, in Division of Undergraduate Academic Programs, um, and specifically in OASIS, you know, the, the independent advising service that tons of students utilize, they were actually able to save um, one position, which there was, I, I can't remember the exact number, there were maybe four or five positions that were cut, and there was one more that was slated to be cut. However, they were able to save that position and um, you know, try and hold those services harmless as best they could. And, and I'm glad that students spoke up at the forum. I'm glad that they were that I was given the opportunity to make uh, statement about it, and I'm glad that something was done about it as well. Um, I've been really happy with the provost, and he, he's really mentioned and, and let us know that he wants to have an open line of communication, which, quite frankly, um, his predecessor was not so open. Um, and when we, one of the things we want to do, I, I guess another top priority that I didn't mention was improving advising next year, because it's going to be so critical as the budget cuts have been implemented, it's going to be harder for students to graduate. There's going to be less room in classes. Students won't be able to get the classes they need. So advising is going to be critical to know exactly what classes you need to take and how to get in those classes. Um, And the the provost has said that he's 100% committed to looking at that and trying to make improvements. Whereas, you know, again, his predecessor predecessor pretty much showed us the door when we came to, uh, when we came to him with that proposal last year. So, um, we're just looking to, I mean, everyone's going to have to sacrifice. There's no question. So we're looking to see how we can best help students and hold students harmless from these cuts to the best of our abilities and how the university can help out. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't really covered? Well, I think it's going to be a great year. Um, we've, we've gone through a very tough time at this university, but what has encouraged me and what kind of keeps me going every day is just the enthusiasm that people at this university have shown coming out of this unfortunate situation. People are so ready to move beyond this and to show the world that this is not what NC State is all about. You know, they want NC State to be on the front page, but for, for positive things, you know, for, for the great things that we do leading the state, you know, out of the economic crisis and um, just just producing great, fine students every single year, fine graduates that really are making an impact in the, in the, in the community. So that's, that's an encouraging thing. And I would encourage students to really, you know, participate in these forums, you know, get out there, make your voice heard, let people know what you think. Let me know what you think. Send me an email. I mean, it's my job to kind of understand how you feel. So send me an email. It's sbp at ncsu.edu. We're also going to set up a, uh, a specific chancellor search committee email address that will, um, you know, help kind of take those emails in there. You can leave your feedback and let you know if you want more, if you want a chancellor who's going to give you more tailgating, say that, you know, if you want a chancellor who's going to really focus hardcore on academics, let us know at this time is really going to decide where this university goes for the next 10 or 15 years. So uh, be a part of that. It's, it's a great time to be a, a student here at NC state. And that was your student body president, Jim Sresnick on I on the triangles VIP. Now we're going to take a short break to the second part of I on the triangles VIP with Kelly Rogers. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Welcome back to Eye on the Triangle. This is your second VIP section. My name is Adam Compton. And today I'm here with Kelly Rogers. Kelly Rogers is the student senate president. She's majoring in political science with a minor in statistics and Spanish. This is her fourth year of student government service, having served as a student senator for the past three years. So first off, if you'll just tell us what the student senate is and what your job is. Certainly. Well, the student senate is a group of 64 students who are elected or appointed to represent their constituencies. We're divided up by college and class and it's really to address student issues across campus, everything ranging from diversity to athletics ticketing to dining and university dining services and hours of the health center, pretty much anything that you can think of. 
what exactly, like, what kind of things do you plan on working on this year? Like, what's going on that students should know about? Or- this year is definitely an interesting one for student government. It will be very cohesive. There's a lot of cohesiveness between the executive branch and the student senate this year, which is something that student government has had issues with in the past. It's a new year for senate. There's a lot of new and exciting faces. It's a fresh year. A lot of people are, are motivated and excited about the upcoming year, and they really have a lot of new ideas to address and new issues. The one thing that we did at our first meeting for the fall, we actually passed a bill to give 170 seats to ROTC students for the Military Appreciation Day. There's another bill that's up to make that a permanent thing for every Military Appreciation Day football game so that ROTC students are recognized for their service that they have been doing and will be serving for the country. As student senate president, what do you do? I mainly run meetings. I meet with a lot of administrators. I make sure that the issues that the senators bring up from talking to their constituents are carried through all the way. But most of all, I motivate and I try and create leaders within Senate, try and help them along, help them find the issues and help them to to carry out the issues all the way through. We recently had Chancellor Woodward and the provost on the show, and they kind of talked about everything that happened this summer. What are your thoughts on what happened this summer and the changes that are being made and everything that's just going on on campus this summer that are just a direct correlation of what happened this year on campus? It was definitely a hard time for NC State. We lost a lot of our leadership. Thankful for Chancellor Woodward for stepping in so quickly. I love Chancellor Woodward. I've loved working with him. He's all about the students. At the same time, I I certainly miss Oblinger. Oblinger was a good chancellor for this university, although there were definitely some mistakes made along the way. I'm excited for the years ahead. I think that NC State is definitely moving past this, and I'm excited to see the chancellor search continue for a new chancellor, and I'm excited to welcome him or her into the the NC State community. I know the other day we had a chancellor search committee where they kind of got input and stuff. What do you see that our new chancellor should look like and what they should do differently from the chancellors that we've had in the past or like chancellors we've had in the past? I think more than anything, I, I want to make sure that the chancellor is all about the students, not just being out there and about with students, not just having a face that students can recognize, but really having the passion to inspire the students across the campus and really listening and taking students' concerns, taking action on them, not just chatting with us and then going and doing something against our advice. I think that I think that we made that clear and all the students made that clear through the Chancellor Search Committee Forum, and I think that's something that most certainly has been taken into account. And I encourage any student that if they have anything else that they're looking for in a chancellor to continue to contact our student body president and email him throughout the process as this will be a pretty closed process and not very much more open to students. How do you and Jim work together as he's the student body president and you're the student senate president? How does all that work together? Jim and I are pretty good friends. I guess we, we became pretty good friends over the summer, so there's really not a, fe- not a lot of feuding that goes on between us. We have our, our differences on our issues. We really work together to address the students' concerns. There's different projects that we kind of help each other out on. The executive branch will pick up a project, but he'll need some, some more volunteers, so I'll, I'll help to gather some senators to give him a hand. The game, for example, the game on Thursday, was a great example of that. We had student senators and executive members meeting before the game started to lay towels out on all the seats, pass out T-shirts. And this is something where executive and senate most certainly works together. And there's not many areas where they're, where they're very separate. Everything with executive and senate really overlaps. And the same goes with just Jim and I working, to, working individually on things. It's a lot of the stuff that we do overlaps with each other. One thing we also talked to the chancellor and the provost about was the budget cuts that were coming up and every, all the things that have been everything that's been cut throughout the summer and everything else, what, what have y'all been working on to ensure and to, you know, to ensure where the impact goes and everything else? We've definitely, the university has definitely been hit hard by budget cuts. Students saw that firsthand first week of classes, classes were so full, students were having difficulty adding classes. And it was, it's really one of our chief concerns right now is making sure that students can graduate on time. It's something that we'll have to balance with, with the, the tuition increase that will happen for the next two years, next year, especially the legislative mandated one, which will automatically go up, tuition will go up for students $200, will not go to the university at all and won't help the students and to get more classes and to graduate on time. That's one thing that we're going to be fighting for is to make sure, to try and make sure that some of that money can go back to the university. Just making sure that the policies that are in place right now are 
student-friendly policies to allow students to add classes easier, to not have all this red tape where you have to go to a department head or a teacher to be able to just go up to a teacher and the teacher can add you in that class if there's an empty seat and if they're willing to add you in that class. That's something that I think will help students to graduate on time. If we can make that policy clear to students, everyone can have an equal chance of getting into those classes. One thing around campus we keep seeing are these Rally for Tally signs. What, what is Rally for Tally? Rally for Tally is a movement, I guess. It's, a, it's supposed to be a student movement to get students behind a new student center. If you've ever been to another university and walked around their student center and you compare it to Tally, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable for a university of this size, this re- much recognition, to have such a poor student center. Tally isn't really a student center right now. It's got a lot of administrative offices in it. It's got a lot of space that really can't be used by student groups. We rank the lowest, extremely low, when you compare the use, the amount of space we have per student to every other university. It's unacceptable. So Rally for Tally is really trying to get students support for a new student center because it won't happen with student, without student support. What's so important throughout the process is that we find that common, ba- that common ground because a new student center should not go on the backs of students. It should not be paid for completely with student fees. And we want to make sure that there's a lot of other sources of funding and that students are paying a very small proportion of what it will take to build Tally. So that's something that we'll be looking at throughout the fee process this year, which is coming up very quickly. How is everything going to be paid for? You know, what's this new student center going to look like? Where's the money coming from to do all this stuff? It's something that's very much still being worked out and worked on right now. Of course, the the events that happened back in May have set have set tally back a little bit. The leadership that we lost us a little bit of time to to catch the new leadership up on the the project. But Chancellor Woodward has made it very clear that he's in full support of a new student center, and he's in full support of a student center that does not depend on student fees for its funding that has a lot of outside sources. I know that we're looking for funding from, from alumni and other areas for a student center, and it's, it's going to be a continued battle throughout the process. But it's, it's something that students should get excited about. Let's go back to the student senate. If a student wants to get an issue brought forward, what do they need to do? What's the route that they need to take in order to get their issue heard within the student senate? The best way for a student to get an issue brought forward is really to contact their senator. To go online to our website, it's students.ncsu.edu, and find their student senator who represents their college and their major or their college in their year, and shoot them an email. Give them a phone call. Most of their phone numbers are posted up on the website. Let them know your issue. Come to a student senate meeting, which are every other Wednesdays at 730. Really voice your concerns. Make sure that we, we can hear them. From that point, after a senator hears an issue, a senator will continue to, to talk to constituents to get other input on it. Ticketing, for example, is a, is a big one after this first game that had such a high demand. That's something that Student Senate is working on right now and that we really need more student input on because we understand everyone has a different perspective on it. We really want to make sure that we are representing the students. They want us to represent them. After a senator goes out and talks to several constituents, They'll write a bill or a resolution. They'll sit down with the administrators that oversee those policies, try and talk through and, and compromise on ways that we can, we can improve the university. From then on, we, the Senate will debate and discuss it, vote on it, and we'll just make sure that it's carried out all the way through. Is there anything coming up, any bills that have been filed or anything that is particularly interesting that's happening? Student ticketing. Most importantly, probably, that's, there hasn't officially been a bill filed yet, but I've heard several senators working on it. been a couple of committee meetings to address the issues that arose from this last game, to talk about loyalty points, really just to update our statutes and make it clear to students what the policies are right now, that it is a lottery. A senior has more chances in the lottery, but that doesn't mean that they're guaranteed a ticket any more than a freshman is. They're just their name is appears more frequently in that pool of students. But really looking at to see what we can do for these larger, higher demand games to make it more equal, whether it means decreasing group sizes for larger games or really just making sure that the loyalty points work. I'm not mistaken. You serve until May. What do we have? What are we going to hear from you between now and May? What, what have you got going on that we're going to find out about? You'll certainly see student government's name out there more. 
Student Senate especially. You'll see us doing a lot of events. Some of the ones that I'm most excited about, you'll see a student government-sponsored tailgate. you also see tailgate hopefully sponsored with student government, IRC, and UAB. We'll have a lot of opportunities for students to voice their concerns throughout the year. Wine Week is something that we've come up with. It was originally, I guess, a spinoff of an idea for for students to really have an opportunity to come and complain to their student senators, to their representatives, and kind of get something in return. Cheer wine will probably be provided at Wine Week. It's something we're still working on, um, some sort of food and snacks throughout the week for students in the brickyard. That's something you'll see. A lot of discussion on student issues, re-looking at, at policies. The drop date policy is one that's that's been brought to my attention by several administrators. It's It affects students in classes. It's affecting students in classes right now because there's a lot of students who will who will take a class knowing that they're just going to drop it. And that fills up a seat for somebody who really needed that class to graduate. And with the budget cuts that we've had, it's it's important that we look at that policy to make sure that it's benefiting students in the most way possible. And so that's something that you'll see us discuss throughout the year. Uh, we'll be having another unity rally. The unity rally is something that student government did last year after the free expression tunnel. We really want to make that a yearly thing that doesn't take an incident like that to, to, to promote that kind of discussion. We want to promote uh, diversity discussions throughout the year. Definitely something that we'll be working on. Jim, especially, and the executive branch have been working on, I, I believe it's called Pack Perks, to have discounts at local restaurants and venues. Z-Spot is also, I believe, helping to get more students student discounts at places downtown rally. Kelly, it really sounds like you've got a lot of things going on. Thank you for coming in today. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle. This is the VIP section with Adam Compton. We're here today with Kelly Rogers, Student Senate President. Triangle. Your local music news. And this is Hear This, the local music segment of Eye on the Triangle. My name is Adam Kincaid, the local music director here at 88.1 WKNC. Joining me in studio right now is Zach Terry of local band The Whiskey Smugglers. And we are here to talk about Wednesday's show at the Cat's Cradle. It's a benefit to battle multiple sclerosis. And playing this Wednesday is uh, four awesome bands, The Last of the Great Sideshow Freaks, The Tomahawks, Laugh Cadio, and Zach Terry, who will be playing alongside a number of other musicians. So, uh, Zach, could you uh, talk a little bit about this show? So, I ride on a bike team with uh, some friends out of Carborough, and next weekend we're going down to New Bern and we're riding like... 200 miles or something Jeez. ridiculous. Have you been training for that? Yeah, for a while. Um, and anyway, so the whole ride is to raise money to fight MS right here in the Triangle. Um, it goes to the Eastern North Carolina chapter of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. Last year, we raised about one and a half million, I think, or 1.7 million. Wow. And that's not just me. This is right. this is 2,000 plus riders come down. Wow. And they all train all summer and uh, and raise money through different events. And they ask their friends and family f- to make donations and contributions online. Um, and so a friend, um, my friend Courtney and I did it last year, and we wanted to do our own team this year. So we, we put together a team with a bunch of friends who also did the ride. And mm-hmm. um, instead of just doing, like, the traditional, like, hey, give me $5, which we did that too, but we also wanted to do a, a – a couple other fundraisers so we had like a dinner one night at dos peros in durham um we raised like 1700 bucks at that man and then uh we've been having this ongoing music series at the open eye cafe in carborough every other saturday and we've had a bunch of bands Uh, my Mm -hmm. band played the whiskey smugglers and then um let's see here mandolin orange played uh john ackley the tomahawks a bunch of different people um and it's been a great series and we wanted to do one more to like blow it out the door like yeah. end of summer thing. Um, so the cradle gave us the, this slot on Wednesday night. <clears throat> and um, we've got, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to play some songs and then, uh, and Lafcadio is going to play some songs. The Tomahawks um, and the Tomahawks are going to play. 
And then uh, hold on, the talk because well, we'll get. I guess we'll get to that. But also the last of the great sideshow freaks. The last of the great sideshow freaks. We need to talk about those last two bands because this is really interesting. Okay, so the last of the great sideshow freaks um, is Mark Simonson's band, and he plays in the old ceremony. He's Mm -hmm. a keyboard player, as among other things. And um, I think he, I think they recorded their albums in his house, maybe. Right. Um, Yeah, it was all it was all um, recorded. yeah. Yeah. So that's his band, and they've been around for a while, but I think they only play like one show a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to come play, so that's going to be really fun and exciting to see them. And then the Tomahawks are playing, but here's the kicker with that. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm just going Uh-oh. to anyway. So um, Jeff Crawford is a regular in the Tomahawks, but he's in L.A. Either I, can't, I don't know who he's with, he's, maybe he's Roman like Candle. Bands. Yeah. Or Chris Amy and Peter Holsapple. Right. Anyway, he can't make it on Wednesday. So Django from the old ceremony is going to be sitting in Jeff's place playing yeah. some songs. So and, we're having uh, a big mishmash here. Yeah. And this, yeah, it's been, um, we just, it, we thought it wasn't going to happen for a while. Yeah. And then like two weeks ago, we were like, oh, it's on. Let's do it. So we've been really trying to push it and promo it. So thanks for letting us come yeah, on here and absolutely. talk about it. And, and of course, this all benefits a yeah. battle against yeah. MS. Yeah, we... <laughs> Emphasis on that. The, yeah. the research and everything is like, it's right there, you know? And we just got to keep fighting it. And uh, and it, it affects millions of people and uh, it affects them to where they can't walk. And, they, you know, my mother has it and, um, and Mark's mother has it and, and millions of other people's friends and family have it. Right. And um, so I just, it hits close to home. I think it's a good cause and all the money, like I said, stays right here in the triangle, and it goes to things like wheelchair ramps mm-hmm. and um, and wheelchair lifts for cars, like assistance dogs, um, and then like it also goes to research, like actual research right. in the universities across the United States. And a lot of that research actually is going on at UNC Chapel Hill and Duke and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so we just got to keep fighting it, and then one day, hopefully, this disease will be cured, and millions of people will lead happy, healthy lives. Right. And so this is just our way of doing it, and um, yeah, we've been pushing hard. So please, if you're out there, you're listening, you're not doing anything on Wednesday. I mean, come on, nobody knows what they're doing on Wednesday night. Right. You, and it's you, a you non-profit, have that planned out. so we're allowed to say the price. It's uh, free. It's it's free. It's a free show and donations. with a $5 suggested <laughs> donation. Which means if you want to give more, you can. And if you don't, if you can't afford it, and you just want to come hear some great local music, that's okay too. All right. Come out and party and have a good time because all these bands are going to be. And what it's is going to be a really high energy? What show. is the name of the charity again? It's the Eastern North Carolina chapter of the Multiple Sclerosis Society, gotcha. which and is a national organization. They have right. North Carolina has three different chapters, so this is. So, like, when I say the money stays here, it stays here. All right. Wednesday at the Cat's Cradle uh, for the battle to bene- benefit. <laughs> oh, Lord. The, we're not benefiting multiple sclerosis. Right. We are, the battle, the benefit. The I'll benefit to battle multiple sclerosis. <laughs> we're giving it a smackdown. I'm awful. Okay. <laughs> so, Zach, now this is going to be a what? Uh, you said 200 miles? Or 100 yeah. miles? Uh, well, so there's options to for what we're raising money for it's a big bike ride that we lead up to and all the money you know goes to the eastern north carolina chapter and um last year we raised like one and a half million dollars collectively so hopefully we'll hit that point uh, i think we are right at a million right now i think mm-hmm. but um that's the, like i said that's everybody not just me right and so you've been training all summer for this bike ride and yes. you, you have certain goals set i, I believe yes Yes. So there's different routes. There's different options. Not everyone there is going to be riding 100 miles a day, but there's 35, 50, 75, and 100-mile routes. And myself and a few of the other ambitious um, folks on the team have decided to do double hundreds. Um, so we're pushing ourselves. We pretty much just ride as much as we can. Um, sometimes I'll ride six times a week. Sometimes I'll get three to four times a week. Yeah. and. It's really just a matter of getting out there and doing it and going along, and then right. you do a couple of short rides here and there and then build up, and then, like, at the end of your training week, you go on, like, a long 75-mile ride or something like that. Yeah. Well, so you you ready? You yeah. Can, oh, you yeah. do it? Yeah. How many, crush it. how many people uh, are in your team? We've got 25 members on our team, Open Eye. We were sponsored by the Open Eye Cafe in Carborough. And they've all been helping uh, to solicit donations, and, mm-hmm. and you're doing, you know, lots of cool stuff. You're getting, you know... 
Yeah, you know, we got the summer music series right. that was awesome, um, and and that's what we were leading up to for this last benefit show at the Cradle on Wednesday. Um, we've had like cookouts, and we've had well, we were gonna have a keg party, but we didn't end up, have, <laughs> we didn't end up doing that. Um, let's see, we had a big awesome dinner at Dos Peros, which is a new restaurant in Durham that mm-hmm. everyone needs to go check that place out if you haven't been there. It is awesome. If you like food, if, if you want to, it's like go. gourmet Mexican. Um, I know uh, you're probably out there thinking, "Oh, this guy's just plugging his buddy's restaurant," but it's really good. Um, and let's see here, some of the other teams. There's a lot of teams. There's over a hundred teams that do this ride. Um, some of the other teams have like like weekend fully supported rides. You pay mm-hmm. like 25 bucks and you get ice cream at the end of the ride and stuff yeah. like that. So. It's been cool. It's fun. All right. Well, so you're playing solo uh, at Wednesday's shows. Well, um, yeah. So I play in a band called the Whiskey Smugglers. And Just came out with an album that we have right <laughs> here, Clear Strong Dreams. Available online for purchase. <laughs> uh, but um, they, we couldn't all be there. We're kind of spread out. We're only doing one show a month as the Whiskey Smugglers. So I'm doing um, some of my songs from the Smugglers um, as well as some new ones. Um, and I've I've actually got a seven-piece band including myself that's mm. playing this um, oh, okay. some new folks um that are sitting in some friends of friends it's gonna be fun the zach terry band i don't know <laughs> so i um I, I booked this show like so and we needed four bands and we got three and it was either like do the show with four bands or not do the show and it was to the point where i was like well I'll just put a band together. <laughs> so, That's how you do it here yeah. in the Triangle. Do it yourself. But it's going to be fun. We're going. I'm going first with uh, with with my folks, and then uh, the sideshow freaks are going after us, um, and then Lafcadia is going to play, and then Tomahawks. And again, the show is at 8 p.m. Uh, Wednesday, September 9th, uh, and it is a free show. However, there is a five dollar uh, suggested donation. Um, so feel free to come on out and donate to the benefit to battle multiple sclerosis i got it right that time and zach i want to thank you very much for coming in today and uh we will see you wednesday there is another benefit show uh that is actually going on tonight september 7th at the local 506 which my good friend laura daughtry is here to talk about well adam tonight at the local 506 is another benefit concert to support local musician Britt harper azell also known as snuzz Snuzz has played alongside Ben Folds in bands Bus Stop, Resist, Sociopaths, Pots and Pans, and Kick in the Bucket. Snuzz has recently been diagnosed with lymphoma, but is uninsured. Tonight's show will go to support his upcoming treatment, and while the show is free, there is a suggested $10 donation. Two of Snuzz's old bands, International Orange and Big Kids, will be playing, as well as Snuzz's current band, The Numbers. Also playing tonight at the local 506 are Trace Chicas, Jeff Hart and the Ruins, Squirrel Nut Zippers, Hobex, Simeon, The Jackets, Robert Sludge Band, The Old Ceremony, and The Desmonds. Thanks, Laura, for that information. And again, that show is tonight at the Local 506. In other news, local band Ariel Down recently recorded a cover of NC State's fight song, Take a Listen. The cover has received quite a bit of criticism from fans of NC State and the local music scene alike, including many students on campus. However, the university will be playing Ariel Downs' song Gunslinger at every halftime, and there are plans to have the band perform the national anthem at a game later this season. They will also perform at least one halftime show, including the homecoming game or the final matchup against UNC. It is my wish here as local music director of 88.1 WKNC and also an avid fan of NC State football that the PA system breaks. And that is all for Hear This, the local music segment of Eye on the Triangle. My name is Adam Kincaid, and you can catch me Fridays from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. on the local beat here on 88.1 WKNC. 
I'll see you then. Student of the Week on Eye on the Triangle. Talking with Wolfpackers that are leading the pack. On September 18th, the Titmus Theater will have its grand opening in the recently renovated Frank Thompson Hall with a production of Peter Schaefer's Amadeus. Eye on the Triangle got to know one of the players, Russell Gentry, our Student of the Week. My name is uh, Russell Gentry, and I am a senior at NC State. I'm studying history and archaeology. I'm kind of excited to get to do, you know, the first show in the new Thompson Theater. In Amadeus, I play uh, a character named uh, Baron von Sweeten, the prefect of the Imperial Library, and he's sort of a, an old kind of more traditional character, whereas Mozart is a very young, rebellious, sort of new, almost rock and roll kind of kid on the Austrian music scene. My character stands as kind of a mentor for him, but also as the voice of traditional music saying, you know, Mozart, you need to calm down and things like that. And also to, to fill the role that Salieri sort of should be filling, but instead is, as many of you may know, is sort of betraying Mozart and manipulating him into ruining his career and things. The one nice thing that I remember about the old Thompson was it had a lot of, uh, you know, paraphernalia, posters, props, and things from shows past. And I think they did a nice job renovating the new Thompson, making it look more alive and just nicer kind of in the 21st century. But then they put posters from all of our previous shows and things and pictures from productions and stuff. So it still has that nice nostalgia. This is our theater that we've put together and built from our experiences as students and faculty. Being a history major, and even though my my period is Roman and ancient history, I'm still very sort of concerned about true depictions of historical events and things. And so a caveat for Amadeus is that many of the the situations and the characters in the show are sort of blown out of proportion from what actually, what we know actually occurred. And it's it's a little bit it's a little bit more difficult to do a show where you're where you're consciously aware that you know instead of instead of depicting events you know actually happened more as they happened, like I was able to do in a show last semester, Never the Sinner. With this show, I'm depicting events that I know to be sort of more hearsay from the period, more like if they if they made in the future a uh, a big you know uh, JFK sort of Amadeus kind of drama where they just take for granted everything, every rumor to have been true, and really villainized a person, any person from history, potentially unjustly. It's kind of tricky to sometimes to think about, you know, okay, I'm, I'm getting up to do a show, and, you know, am I, is it almost like speaking ill of the dead and things like that? Um, and it's also sometimes it's irritating because, you know, you do research on your own character, and I found out my character actually invented the card catalog and, you know, was heavily influential in the creation of the modern library, but that's none of that is in the show, actually. It's more just his relationship to Mozart and uh, what how that influenced and how that may have influenced, actually, the, uh, the events of the show. I hope my performance will get people interested in doing theater. I hope all of our performances really will sort of get the spark going in people saying, hey, that looks like a fun thing to do. And I encourage any anybody who's interested in theater to go out and audition and we have plenty of roles there's a big season this uh this season and plenty of technical positions available as well especially now some uh we've had some older students that have graduated and those is sort of a void that needs to be filled now so if you're interested come out and audition and stop by the website anytime it has audition dates and uh show dates on it that's www.ncsu.edu slash theater theater r-e Okay, outside of the realm of theater, I've been fortunate to at least stay active in my, uh, what I hope to be my academic career, and participate in uh, several excavations um, since I'm studying history and archaeology, uh, specifically the uh, Roman period, really specifically Rome in the ancient Near East. I've gotten to excavate in uh, Poland, Macedonia, and Jordan. And this summer, actually, was Jordan, and that was really an amazing, an amazing place to visit. I recommend it to anybody. I mean, I've been to a lot of sites. And I visited a lot of sites in different countries, and it's always been interesting to me since I'm studying uh, the history and archaeology of those sites. But really, Jordan had sites that I feel like would be amazing for anyone to see, just because the preservation there is so much, so much better. Um, and a lot of sites in Europe and things, you know, they were occupied at one point by amazing architecture, but it's since been, you know, kind of crumbled down and things. And uh, 
hasn't been restored as nicely as we'd like, or it's been restored, and the only thing that's original is like one brick or something like that. If you go to Jordan, you should see Petra. That's probably the most amazing place I've ever been. It's unfortunately most popularly known for uh, being the big rock sculpture at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but it's actually it's a whole city pretty much carved into the rock. And it's several square kilometers large, and uh, you can walk around the whole city and just look at the amazing rock sculptures, many of which are larger than the one that you see in the film. And besides that, Jordan has uh, another site in the north called Jerash that's pretty similar. It's, it's not rock-cut architecture, but it's all you know, giant columns and theaters and things still largely still uh, standing from when they were originally constructed. And what isn't is very, very nicely uh, reconstructed. And really all through Jordan, there's some really nice sites. And a, it offers kind of a unique, a unique place to visit because it's, it's in the Middle East, which has been, you know, kind of a volatile area. But Jordan itself is fairly safe and open to tourists. Uh, so it's kind of a unique opportunity to be able to get to go and see, you know, amazing sites and, and amazing different cultures that uh, wouldn't normally be accessible to a student a group of students traveling. This has been Eye on the Triangles, Student of the Week. Sound Bites on Eye on the Triangle. Opinions from around the NC State campus. As always, I'm Caitlin here with Eye on the Triangle Sound Bites, our look into what's on the minds of those in the NC State community. This week, we asked what people think of Obama's proposed health care reform. Health care reform is something that a lot of people seem to have heard about, but not really know about. As students, we really should know about what's going on with health care, since once we graduate, it's really going to affect us, as right now, those of us with insurance are on our parents' plan, and those with insurance are having to pay heavily out of pocket. The lines seem to be drawn between those who believe there should be a government-run health care plan and those who believe there shouldn't be. There doesn't seem to be much middle ground unless you just don't know about it. The president will be addressing Congress on his proposed health care reform tomorrow. As future working adults of America, it's time for us to listen up and have our own opinion. Obama is doing a great job <laughs> in the healthcare reform. My name is Megan McDougall. I'm a senior in animal science. I disagree with the healthcare reform, and I don't know why. My name is Jordan Gant. I'm a freshman in the College of Management. Um, I'm a big fan of Obama. I think a lot of his changes that he's trying to make are actually a very good thing. I think new health care would be a very good thing for a lot of people because clearly the old one wasn't really working. I'm Russell Butler. I'm a junior in fashion and textile management with a concentration in fashion development product management. This has been Sound Bites on Eye on the Triangle. Thanks for listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7 o'clock. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, email us at publicaffairs at wknc.org.